this week's episode was brought to you by our patrons. If you guys want to join our Patreon group page and get access to some fun extras, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Customs and join in on the fun. Um, this week's patron questions were at the end of the show, so hang in there, guys. We did get to uh, some of the questions here at the end. Uh, we also wanted to bring up something that one of our patrons, Scott and Jake Johnson, had mentioned doing, and we're going to do a contest. So this week's contest is going to be uh, anybody that calls in to our voicemail line at 717-601-2348 and provides us with the best model railroading tip voted on by us truly, Todd and Brett Wiley, um, will get a free HO Skill Customs um, koozie, a can koozie, and uh, we might throw something else in there for fun, but um, yeah. So head on over there, call us at 717-601-2348 and submit your tip for a chance to win a weekly prize. Uh, This week's prize, again, will be a koozie. Uh, We're going to try and change up the prizes each week and make it a little bit exciting. So, all right, let's jump into our interview with Hunterline. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of HO Scale Customs. We have a this is I'm really excited for this episode, Dad. Um, I don't know Me about too. you. This one's so this one's cool because it's different. We've brought you guys a lot of kit manufacturers. We've brought you um, we've brought you a bunch of different you know, detail parts and everything else. And um, this time we have Hunterline on. We have Rick and Maureen of Hunterline, and I know they ha- kind of have a little bit of everything. And we've recently gotten into their stains and their pigments which right. are fantastic. So oh, welcome to the show, Rick and Maureen. Thank you for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we've been... We've... Hey, is it cold up there? You're, you're in Canada, right? In Ontario? Well, you know, if you want to go out of our driveway, forget it. <laughs> oh, no kidding you. Wow. Uh-oh. A lot of snow or... Yeah, a lot of snow. <laughs> oh, oh boy, we just dealt with a batch here, but it's it's probably nothing compared to what you guys have. Yeah. So. Probably. Okay, we'll be right over. <laughs> I thought I thought six inches was bad of snow. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, probably nothing, but um, yeah, we uh, we've had a bad uh, a lot of cold weather in the. You probably laugh at that too when we say <laughs> we we have mornings that is five degrees, but um. Oh. <laughs> that's that's sunbathing uh, weather, huh? See, see, we're in Celsius, so that would be like minus twenty Celsius. Or something like that. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my! Um, so, so uh, what we want to do? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll just real quickly explain. Um, I I've met uh, Rick and Maureen both at the expo uh, in Albany. Uh, back in November, and then of course um, I did a small interview live feed thing with them there, and it was so wonderful to talk to both of you. Um, you you're so very very personable, both of you, and it was um, it was probably most one of the most delightful interviews or live feeds that I did at that show. I thoroughly enjoyed myself with, and 
And I, not that I didn't with the others. It was just, it was very upbeat. We moved along. You know your products so well. And it was just, it was refreshing to hear something other than kits, 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 kits all day long. And um, now, you know, no offense, you have your kits there as well. And they're amazing. We're going to get into that. But it's a different style kit. It's it's your yeah. bridge, truck bridges and things like that. When I did your yeah. intro, I shouldn't have said that you, I shouldn't have said, that we have something other than kits because you do, yeah. you guys do have kits, but I meant, I meant it's something other than just structures. Yeah. Right. And then we met you again at, at the uh, Timonium in Maryland, which is right down the road from us. We're here in Harrisburg, PA. And, and uh, so Brett and I went down for the, uh, for the day, the one day and, and we ran into you just a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, you, you're one of those people that explains your products and you talk to us about it. And it, it's such a, it's such a pleasure to to uh, to you know just to talk with you about about what you're gonna get you know when when you buy something from Hunterline. So thank you for being here and and um, so how where where is your background for both of you uh, in model rivering? How did you get started? Did, uh, you're a couple that does this together as a business. I mean, obviously one or both of the you real, started in model rivering. The real trick is. And the real question that I have is to kick this off. How did you guys both get into this together as a couple? Because I need to figure out how to convince my wife to get into this with me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I need some tips on that. Yeah, well, we, we actually uh, started, I started Hunterline in 94, and we're just coming up to our 25th anniversary. And uh, my family actually is in the modeling business back in the 20s and 30s and 40s. And uh, our family actually held many patents over the years. Mm. Uh, that's another podcast altogether, okay? But, <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, I was in kind of, you know, my, my dad went to an auction sale when, in the 50s and, and bought like 600 feet of track and a couple engines. Everything was rusty. And he spent nights and nights taking the rust off, and that's what I got for Christmas. And oh, wow. That's where it, uh, and that was, you know, an old Lionel thing. I, I don't even know where it got to anymore. And then my son came along, and, uh, okay, I started it, and that, that just sparked the interest all over again. And then uh, Maureen and I got married in uh, 2004. And um, I said, there's only one way for you to learn this business, and that's to do it. So Maureen has done it ever since. And then uh, uh, the big thing that uh, Maureen does is actually the weathering mix. That, that's her baby. Mm -hmm. uh, mine, <laughs> her. she does the weathering mix. And I do the building, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got started in it, well, as Rick said, when we got married. And, and he he gave me a kit to build. He gave me a trestle, and that's where I started. And, and I love doing it. I just love building. And it's been great. Uh, and, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful pieces of art. They're an artwork. Uh, when I've seen you, you, you know, at the shows, you, you spent the whole day. I've never seen you stop building you were there the entire time building and um you have to ring the cash register up yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well you know and, and to to see the work being done like that directly in front of you as a customer it's 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 really neat because it, it shows it shows you hey this i you know look at she, how she's doing it 
she's having a good time. You can tell you enjoy doing it. Um, it you don't, you, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're not, these aren't simple looking bridges to make. They're intricate, but you make it look like you're having fun with it and it might be something I can do and try, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's fun. Fun. We, we find that uh, most customers uh, lack the confidence uh, in, in wood. Oh, boy, I exactly. cut it wrong. But that's what glue's for, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we keep things so simple. Uh, our instructions are very simple and straightforward. Uh, they're geared towards a beginner. We assume you know nothing when you right. make one of the kits. Sure. Lots of fun. It's lots of fun to get the kids there, too. You know, they'll sit in front of me and... And watch your build. Watch and I'll, I'll pull out some wood and let them do a little building as well. So it's it's great to get them involved at a young age. Yeah, and, and you know, that's fascinating for any... When I'm there watching, I feel like a kid, you know? <laughs> If I didn't have to do that interview with you in Albany, I would have I, I would have pulled up a chair if I'd have had time, pulled up a chair and I sat down and watched that. That was so cool. And um, I think that know. I think that anyone at those shows becomes a kid. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we we had one show where uh, a kid about oh nine years old or so sat down and watched Marine for a long time, and then he says. Can I build a bridge? So Maureen got out all the scrap lumber we had with it, and he started to make his creation. Oh, wow. And then the end of the show came, and uh, he says, uh, can I come back tomorrow to finish it? So we said, sure. <laughs> so, so we do a babysitting process, too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, 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 uh, that's really cool. I mean, I mean, I love to see our youth getting into it and uh, when we were down at Timonium especially I saw so many young kids with their parents there and uh, it was it, that's a really refreshing thing to see I mean it, it, it there is people say you know is a hobby dying I, I don't see that I see the hobby evolving and I see the younger generation and their families or parents bringing their kids in and trying to get them involved i think it's that's great i let i let my daughter and this is a side note i let my daughter paint um a big section of scrap uh um basswood clapboard siding and uh i don't know what i'm gonna do with it yet but there's a big chunk of it down here painted and uh I'm going to make something out of it, but I'm just trying to bit by bit. She's only four. So I'm trying to get her down here and at least painting, at least painting like big stuff that I can make things out of and then, uh, have her see it after it's made. So I, uh, that's great. Yeah. She likes to just come down here and paint on scrap. I set up a table and I just give her some scrap paper to just go crazy on with paint. And, uh, she just likes being down here while I'm working at the table beside uh, my layout here, just painting away. So hopefully we can get her into some stuff here when she's a little older. But uh, <laughs> now, with um, with Hunter Line, uh, you said twenty five years that you've been in business. Yes. Wow. Twenty five years this month. Wow. Now, and, and that business started with with kits or or the weathering products oh. or. No, no, with the kits. And what happened there was uh, the only big show we had around here was the uh, Toronto train show. And I would go there every year. And I sat and watched, I don't know if you remember John Rendell or not. He used to have uh, Rendell models years and years ago. I sat at the show and watched him go through, I don't know, 
$2,000, an hour at this show on his kits. And uh, his kits weren't even scale lumber. They were just lumber scraps. Huh. And I, wow, I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's when I produced the first kit. And which, and which kit was that? Is it still available? Is it something that you still do? or? That was the H.O. King Post. I started doing research on it and so on. I thought, geez, you know, to be in business like this, doing our products, there's an awful lot of research. I have seen me do three and four years of research on a, on a prototype uh, before I actually come up with uh, a, a kit design. I, I see. Uh, that was you said the Queen Post. Oh, the King Post. King Post. Oh, King Post. Okay. Yeah. I, I was looking for those right now on the. I'm on your website and I'm checking them out. And now we talked about that up at the at the show. Uh, the research that you've done is is extensive. I mean, to to all your your bridges and and uh, you know down to your 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 fences and uh, the timber tunnels, all that stuff. You've done. You've done your research, and and you include the research with the kits. Is that correct? Absolutely. <laughs> so when when someone would order one of your kits, they get um, do they get like a little booklet or a little pamphlet along with it that kind of tells them everything about what they're building, not yeah, just how to uh, do it, but the history. It's like a, a little booklet, okay, uh, eight and a half by eleven, and um, the first page is is the history and anything that pertains to that. And the, the next three or four pages are just the techniques that we use to get to the end result. And, um, and, and now our instructions are all images and text. Before they oh, nice. text. And now we got into the images and text, which makes the instructions, you know, five times longer than what they were before. Mm -hmm. But uh, we felt that that's necessary. And then we go into absolute detail of every item uh, and every sub-assembly right to the end. Uh, uh, it's all through pictures and so on. So every piece has got a picture on it of where it goes and how to do it and what to cut it at. Wow. Uh, that's, that's sweet. Now, now, on your research that you did, uh, to on on all these models, um, how, how did you go about the research? I, I, if I remember correctly, did you say that you actually went to some of these places and saw some of the bridges? Absolutely, um, that that's the best way of doing it. But uh, a lot of our stuff uh, just doesn't exist anymore. Like the the King Post and the Queen Post, you got to search pretty far and wide to to actually get that. Now the house. Uh, and, and the trestles, we see them all the time. Even the same designs we have right now, we have. Uh, uh, we can tell you where to go find them. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, the 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 uh, pile trestle that we have, um, uh, we just saw a lot of those in San Diego on the uh, coastline. Hmm. Uh, they're notorious there, <laughs> especially in the west. Um, yeah, everywhere. If you got to know where to look, though. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's uh, now you you do extensive travel uh, as as well with your with the shows. Um, I know you travel all over North America. Um, the um, you, you, how many shows do you think that you're at now? People, before you answer that question, I need to let the people know um, there. You need to go when you go to a show. Or you 
you find out where they're at and you're going to that show, you need to go see their display. It's it's not just a couple boxes sitting there on a table. It's full scale um, with a build picture. Outs. Yeah, there is full scale build outs of these bridges. They're there and and they're gorgeous. And that's you know, according you know, from everything I see, it's marine there. And uh, that's um <laughs> but you know, how how many shows do you do a year? Well, go ahead. Say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've done up to about 20, 22 shows a year. So that's oh a lot of traveling. I would say <laughs> so. West Coast and the East Coast. And we do most of our shows in the States. Right. Um, not very many in Canada, unfortunately. The market just isn't as big in Canada as it is in the States. Um, but, yeah, we've seen a lot of the... Out of the country. We'll, we'll give you the example of two years ago. We did nine shows in ten weeks, traveling twelve thousand miles. Wow! Oh my word! And that all up and down the west coast, and we started in Atlanta. Wow! You were uh, you were um, instead of globe trotting, you were just uh, you were nation trotting. You were all over the country. Now, now when we go, we are a motorhome in a trailer. Okay. And, uh, you know, we don't care about reservations or, or where to eat or stuff like that. We just <laughs> go. Hey. <laughs> if, we, like, if we feel like traveling 100 miles a day, okay, we can do that. If we have to travel seven or 800 miles a day, well, we can do that, too. So it's so for you it's it's a this is a way of life. This is not just a hobby. I mean, we're talking to you know this is this is something you two both do love doing together as a couple, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, um, as we were browsing through prior to this interview, I saw a lot of your bridges and trestles and everything that you work on um, on your site for any of the scales that you have are all. They, they mean, it, it tells you the length and width, so that way you could fit it accordingly on your layout. But um, do you run into people that contact you about custom lengths or widths, saying, "Hey, um, I have, I see this bridge is close to what I need for my layout. Um, is there something I can do to make it longer than what I need because I have a longer span or whatever the custom length or need it is?" Yeah, um, like the trestles and stuff can be made longer just by adding kit after kit after kit. Okay. Um, the, the how designs, they're a little more difficult. Um, uh, you can't make them longer, but you can make them shorter. And, and how you make them shorter is uh, there's what's called a panel. And the panel is from one set of rods to the next set of rods. Uh, so uh, if you want to shorten it, you have to shorten it by a panel. Okay. And the reason you have to do it by that measurement is if you change an angle, every angle on the whole thing has to change. They're all messed up then. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you have to go to that that panel to keep it to the same angle. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. And that's that's with the pile trestles, correct? No, no, that's with the house. The house. Okay, okay. But like okay, it, you know, house. but but if you say say we had a. Uh, uh, a 50 foot one and we wanted the we wanted to string two of the other kits not the how kits but the um uh the other kits together we could we could lengthen it based off of what we needed um and just add some sections for sure by adding for like sure. by adding two kits together and maybe chopping one in half or customizing it a little bit 
see, the big thing about the trestle, uh, that whole design uh, is probably the best design you can get for a bridge because it can go any length, any height, any shape. It can go in, in, in a, a slow ass or whatever shape you want, mm-hmm. where the, the other ones are, are a rigid design. You can't change them. They are right. what you see. Exactly. Cool. Well, I actually, yeah. I think the king, the king and the queen post ones are probably my favorite to, visually, uh, just because of their simplicity. Now, I know the other ones are. Don't get me wrong; they're they're great looking as far as like the complexity and the and the the visual like shock of all of those parts and imagining now in your layout and looking really heavy and industrial. But I like the simple. I just love the simplicity of like the queen post br- uh, bridge. It's just such a cool. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I like them. Oh, I'm a, I'm a pile, I'm a pile trestle guy. Don't oh, get me wrong. Sure. I like them all. They're amazing. I'm, I'm in love with them all. But, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Marine, how, how, how long does it take you to build these in general? Yeah, well, it depends which bridge, but say the trestle, um, that would probably take me about oh, 30 hours, maybe. Okay. Right. How long do you think it would take? Now you're building them. And you're you're doing them consistently and pretty often. How long do you think it would take yeah, somebody? She's like a pro. She's a pro. <laughs> you do it with your eyes closed, probably. But uh, <laughs> so 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 say someone like me, I pick up this one that tonight uh, while I'm listening to the podcast, and I've never built one of yours before or something like this, uh, piece by piece. So what would you expect? What would you say the average? model or could expect to invest time wise into something like this someone of yeah. someone that's used to doing some other craftsman style building yeah for the for that trestle uh, you know you could probably do it in about 40 hours okay it's really not a tough bridge to build mm-hmm. you know it's just um making the bents and there's four of them that are all the same so it um i, I could i would see you doing it maybe 40 hours okay so a couple good uh couple good evening or weekend sessions and you could yeah. you could do it yeah yeah, yeah we, we have um three or four of our kits that we actually do uh what we call a make and take clinic uh where we we actually take you from the beginning to the end uh and the most popular one is actually the king post and that one we can do in the classroom and have it finished in about four hours oh wow oh, nice and and we're trying to get more of that design a kit where they're they're little and can be done in a couple hours as opposed to some of the big ones. Like we have our king post, the queen post, um, the the uh, portal that we do, and our little snow fence. Actually, a little snow fence takes about two three hours. And uh, we, we actually have some clinics planned at the uh, uh, NMRA National this year in in Salt Lake City. Oh yeah, uh, actually making takes coming and and they're all different designs and uh, this way you do it in front of us and and you have our expertise to help you as you go through and uh, they're, they're just great everybody has a good time uh, and even at these we have spouses we have everybody else doing them too like we've had a lot of spouses come in and and you know at the end of the project they say I made this. That snow fence is the most realistic snow fence I've ever seen of any fence work. 
it well, is... all you have to do is go along I-90, I-80, and I-70, and you'll see <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it looks really, really, really. I mean, I've seen I've seen plastic kits where you can make snow fences. Yeah, they don't. Um, but but I've not, not seen anything quite like that. No, nothing not looks like wood more than wood. That's right. Now, what kind of wood do you use when you make when you produce these kits? We, we always use basswood. Um, okay. Basswood is a, a very elongated fiber, so it's uh, super strong. Um, a lot of guys like to use uh, balsa. Well, balsa is, is great for airplanes because it's light, but it's no strength in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you bump it wrong, uh, and it splinters into a million pieces. It breaks into a tiny, ton of pieces. Yeah, exactly. You take our big O-scale uh, uh, house, um, if you did those in balsa, as the engines go across it, they'd have this little whoopsie doo in the middle. <laughs> it looked like a rubber band. It. Yeah, you, you want solid, and, and that basswood is absolutely great for it. Cool. That's, and not to, I, might it, add, it, I was going to say, and you, I might add that um, our, our kits that have the um, uh, uh, the pile versions of the kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Round basswood. We actually use round basswood. We're one of the few in the world that have uh, uh, the capabilities of getting it and putting it into the kit. A lot of guys just go down to Michaels and get birch or maple or, or any dowling to mm-hmm. do that. Well, it doesn't stain the same. It doesn't glue the same. No, it it'll look different. That's what hey. said we're going to do. We're going to go the extra route the and, next and go I with have here basswood would be for Marine. dowling. Um, yeah. the, cool. um, that's, that's now you, cool. you build them and you, and you, do you do the staining of them as well? Do you do all that work? Yeah. Yeah. I do all that. I, I, um, the very first thing I do is I just take all the lumber and I distress it mm-hmm. with a razor saw and, um, then I'll stain it all. And, you know, I just, you just have to decide you know what color do you want to make this bridge or this structure I sure. usually start out with a light color stain and I'll I'll put my base coat on all the lumber and then I'll I'll cut it on the plans and then glue it together and then I'll take a look at the structure and I'll you know just think about what other colors I want to add to it so I'll, I'll dry brush different darker colors on it um, maybe use some creosote black to wash that we have and I'll put some dirt and grime and grease on the tracks and oh my. You know, along the top of the bents or the bottom of the bents and and um, that's that's basically how I I build the kits oh wow and and one of the thought processes is that Mother Nature is not one texture or one color. It's multiples, okay, mm-hmm. and variations, as many as you can get in it. Um, yeah, stick to a theme of a color, like uh, one of the, uh, like a driftwood brown or something, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but but modify it so it looks more realistic. Yeah, some of some of the structures I've done, I you know there might be five different colors on it, but you you probably wouldn't really be able to tell that um, just by looking at it. But but it just I don't know, it just adds the different dimension and, and right. look more realistic, you know. And, and and that's what we talked about many times on the show with different modelers, uh, and even with you know you know structural uh, buildings and such. Um, we've often said you know about. Uh, you know about layering and it's the same thing it's it's the layering of different what you're saying is you're layering the different stains to achieve an ultimate look of 
you know, of realism. And, and but one of the big differences is uh, using a wet brush and a dry brush. Uh, on some of the subsequent colors, we use a dry brush effect, which is a very effective, okay, for, for the look that you want. Oh, yeah. De definitely. Now, now, one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast here today was uh, that Maureen, I guess she is de she's the one that developed and designed the stains. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's not yeah. that's not me. I have I, the issue where I'm a little colorblind. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I stay away from that. <laughs> oh no, that's 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 great. Now and and. What made you go, you obviously started in structures, what made you go into the weathering products or the stains and how did that become? Because we really want to get into the weathering tonight. Well, in 2003 or 2003, 2004, somewhere in there, we all had the same problem. We lost Floco and Poly F. And then, um, you know, there's others that have gone by since then. So we started, we got to have something. So we started to make our own. And our first one was uh, a black, okay? We took it out of Model Railroader, March 1972, alcohol and leather dye. And that's where it started. And like now we're just adding five new colors to our 38 existing. So now that makes 43 colors. Oh, my word. We want the colors. <laughs> We make it and we also listen to our customers our customers come sometimes and say can you do this color and absolutely now um when we when you go to the show and and the listeners need to understand if they have not been to a show or seen you uh there um the display that you put on, and we talked about the bridges and the, you know, all, you know, the fences and bridges and all their structural kits that you have on display. What you have to see then beyond that, and it, you're talking about this is a nice big display you guys have, and I've seen it set up several different ways. Um, this um, adaptable. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and so all your weathering products are on display. Everyone's available right there. And then, of course, you know, you have availability online, and that is uh, hunterline.com. And it's a fabulous website, by the way. But at the show, you'll have it set up. And what's neat is, and you have the same kind of pictures on your Facebook, on your, Facebook, on your uh, website as well. But you have actual pieces of wood that you stain. And then even some that you've provided color combinations to achieve certain looks. And, you know, it, you're seeing what you're getting. It's not just a bottle sitting there. You're, you're seeing what you what you were interested in. I can look at those pieces of wood that you have on display and I'll say, wow, I want that. And if I don't know how to achieve it, if it's something that's mixed, I'll, you're standing right there and I can say, hey, Rick, how, how do I get that? You know, yeah. and you and you tell me, and it's great. But, but um, you did you that know, when people... we were at Timonium. We were we were yes. looking at your color swatches you have up there, and we uh, mm -hmm. we said, oh, we really like that one. And you were you went through the different the different steps you used between the different stains and pigments that you had to get the specific look that we were pointing at. I'll tell you a problem we have at shows. Um, over the years, 
every building's got different type of lighting, like there's halogen, there's fluorescent, there's all sorts of different type of lighting, and they all give off their own spectrum. We've had people come and say, oh, they all kind of have a greeny effect, or they all kind of have a bluey effect. That's usually because of the lighting. And just uh, oh, about three years ago, we put in LED lighting daylight, which is the most natural light you can get. So, so what you see is actually better uh, and more true to what it actually is. Mm-hmm. And and you see that there. You have your lights all. You have your lights up there, displaying everything with the lights, and it really makes them true to color. Um, it, it, it's it's quite a display um, that you put on with that, and and the color variations. When when I tell people. That, that they have to try Hunter Lion stains. Hey, Brett, how many times have we said on our show about the Hunter Lion stains? I lost count. Oh my god! And, and it's not so, just that; it's it's a lot of other, a lot of other people have suggested it oh yeah. as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they're just so a easy to work Canadian, with. Fellow Canadian, fellow Canadian, Frank Varga. I don't know if you know yeah. Frank uh, Varga. Yeah. You do know Frank, and uh, yeah, he's he's one that's uh, talked about your uh, stains on the show as well. You know. You have to see uh, and go to the website and check it out and say, you know, truly what you're seeing on there in those photos is what you will see standing right in front of those models. And that's the look you can achieve. And I'm telling you, I'm going to let Rick's going to tell you. I'm I'm doing too much talking here. Yeah, right. Rick's going to be the tell. Rick or Marina (laughs) got to be the one to tell it. But I need to say as a testimonial, they're so easy to work with but um, <laughs> they are you know it, that, 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 it's complicated and it takes days and days and days to do it and when i'm given a, a weathering mix clinic i say if it takes more than two seconds it's taken too long <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's not like it, this when we say stain you know people need to get this out of their head this is not Minwax or something in a can, okay, that you're never going to get out of your paintbrushes. Not only is this easy to use, it's easy to clean up. Oh, oh, it's so easy. It washes out of my it's- brushes. Some of Maureen's brushes, she never cleans, okay? And that color carries on to the next project. You shouldn't have that. Hey, Maureen, I won't, I won't judge you because I'm in the same boat as you. My dad hates it. <laughs> he'll come downstairs and see some of my brushes and stuff and he'll be like what when was the, when was the last time this I don't think this has ever been cleaned and I'm like ah I don't think it has and we always suggest that you go to the dollar store and get a dozen brushes for a dollar <laughs> that's what we do that's <laughs> what that's what I do because I can't keep now, them clean now Marine Marine you developed these you developed the stains and done the work with them to create them um, what's what's in them? What's what are they based with? Why are they so easy to clean up? Give us give us a play by play on this. Okay, so they're the the base is seventy percent isopropyl alcohol, so that makes it easy to clean, right? You can use yep. alcohol or you can just use water to clean your brushes, and then I use a a lot of varied colors of uh, leather dye. That's that's all that goes in them. So I might have one bottle that has five different colors of leather dye. You know, I'll put half a cc of black in and five cc's of cordovan brown and, you know, maybe a little bit of red or blue, whatever. So that's that's basically what 
each bottle is. I have my little recipe book with all the <laughs> with all the concoctions that go into the bottle, and mm-hmm. and I just make each bottle separately. And uh, as Rick always says in the clinics, I'm a retired registered nurse, so I used to love giving needles. That's what he said. Ah, uh, that's where the CC comes from. There you go. I was like, yeah, she's the first person in modern railroading I've ever heard say measurements in CC. You gotta be, yeah, yeah you gotta Outside be. Outside of a doctor yeah, a or nurse. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a lot of syringes that I use. <laughs> You know, one of the one of the neat things that uh, just a, uh, over the past couple of years has happened is that we used to make everything right here uh, before we left for a show or multiple shows, and we were always running out of this color or that color. While now um, we convert the uh, uh, the motorhome into a lab. Sometimes we Ooh. call it breaking bad, yeah. but it's a lab of alcohol, and we produce all the weathering mix on board now. Uh, everything just happens in a you could name your assembly. you could name your RV the uh, the Heisenberg. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, that's cool though. So you have like a mobile um, like a mobile workshop. Yeah. yeah, and so if we had a show on on on. Saturday and we run out of uh, driftwood or something, we can make it that night so the next day we're fine again. Oh, that's, that's, Very, that's cool. Awesome. Now, Very cool. Now, when you do clinics and such at shows, I know at the um, you've done them at the expos in the past as well. Um, I, I, I'm never so far I've not had the pleasure to be able to sit in on one of your clinics because I'm too busy running around the show talking to people and <laughs> trying to do stuff for ourselves. You busy talking? Um, yeah, no. hard to believe, huh? And, um, so so who who does the teaching at the show? Do you both do it together? Yes, we both do it together. Uh, Maureen is uh, actually sitting at the front uh, at a table, and mm-hmm. she builds the same kit that you are. And her hands are actually projected through electronics up on a on a screen behind her so that everybody can see very precisely what she is doing and how she's doing it. And oh, then wow. I walk along. Uh, I'm the one that does most of the talking, okay? So I do uh, up and down the aisles and, and do specific help to this person or that person. Okay. That, that, that's uh, that's always worked for us. Uh, uh, we try and make it very entertaining. Uh, uh, we, you know, we we always have a good time. Uh, like one of the things uh, I I don't I don't like is going to a clinic and sitting in a semi dark room, uh, falling asleep. <laughs> I just don't want to wait for it. Uh, and we keep it going, and and we have a good time, and that's probably what it's all about. Right, right. I mean, and, and it's high tech. You 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 make your clinics high tech with the, you know, with the video aspect of it, and and that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty cool. I mean, that's what uh, one of the things um, that that I love when I go to the shows to see you um, is the the different the many many different colors now you said five new ones today and we're gonna get to that yeah that's like break, but, that's like is that breaking news oh, on the it's podcast breaking, it's, it's breaking news all right oh today so we're, we're, this is pretty exclusive stuff here man so I'm excited we're, yeah. <laughs> now now the of the of the others that you have done prior to today I mean um, you have different types. Now, it's not just stains, 
Um, they're also, you have color pigments in some of them. Uh, Brett, for example, can tell you of, of one he just recently did. I actually, I actually used with two of them at the same time. Um, I use the pale green uh, weathering pigment that you have. And am I right in saying that's a pigment, not a stain? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I used the pale green, and then I followed up. I followed it up with um, a coat of driftwood on top, and it turned out spectacular. I loved it. <laughs> the, the, the reason for the pigments, um, we uh, had the issue a while ago that uh, many years ago actually. How do you put a light stain over top of a dark stain? So the only way we could do that was to add a pigment in it. A, a pigment is just paint. And it's usually a latex paint uh, or an acrylic paint. Um, but uh, we, we produce those colors so that you could go over something dark, like our, our uh, uh, cement and our cottage white and so on. They're great for doing mortar lines. Uh, they only take like a drop and you just wipe them off and there's all your mortar line done in, in again, two seconds. Uh, and it works great for that. Um, uh, at the Fine Scale Expo, we had the, uh, 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 the fellow for, that owns Chooch and he wondered if it would work with his products. He says, I don't think it would. So he gave us a bunch of the products and a couple hours later, all his stonework was absolutely great. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a chance to actually show them what the end result was. Mm -hmm. And and with with the uh, the pigments, um, the the barn red and the royal blue, they're they're pigment as well. No, they are not pigments. There's only five pigments: the, the pale green, mm -hmm. uh, sky blue, shale, cement, and cottage white. Oh, okay. Okay. So the, the others are stains. All the rest are, are, are the dyes. The dyes, okay. Yep. Now, what's really cool about the, the dye, I'm looking at the blue right now, the royal blue. And one yep. of the things in modeling uh, with structures is uh, one of the toughest colors to actually make look good is blue. It, it's one of those ones that you either, it's a, either a hit or it's a total failure because blue can make a building look awful, okay, if you don't yep. have the right shade. But yep. the the blues that I saw that you had up there on, on your on your diagram thing on your board with all your little dyed and um, your dyed and stained wood blocks um, that you had as an example, they were gorgeous. I would have made any building in those blues. And, uh, you know, it, so, so you've hit the coloring aspect of it. Now, uh, now, like I'm looking at the royal blue one right now. Is that mixed with something else, or is that just a straight weathering mix? That's alcohol and dye. Alcohol and dye. So you didn't mix another, you didn't mix another stain with that. That was just that one. Yeah, I just in that royal blue, there's um, royal blue, there's a blue dye and a black dye that I put in there. Okay. So, so okay. many pieces. 
I can so many cc's of blue. Yeah, well, so this yeah. is a science. What what you have is a science. Is what <laughs> well, we're we, well, about. we can't we can't ask them to give away their t- their trade secret here. I, I don't want them. I don't want them to give away their trade secret. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not. Ask, I would never ask that. <laughs> but I'm just saying that they put a lot of work and effort and test you know testing these products to get the to get what they want out of this. Is there? Uh, is I, I have seen marine. I have seen marine with a new color. And we do it right on the basswood, okay? And so we have a whole bunch of strips lined up, and she makes every one a little different. She puts the formula on what she did, and that's what we were doing this morning. Had a whole bunch of uh, different color strips, mm-hmm. and now oh, this one's out, this one's out. Ah, oh, this is pretty good. Then you compare this one with that one, and we come up with the final color that we, we, we like. Then, then you have trouble with the name, uh, coming up with a name. And the funny one about that is we have one that's called Grage, which is gray and beige. And, you know, we, we couldn't come up with a name for that. So um, I, I guess I can mention names. We're in Home Depot. There's the color, and it was called Grage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. You can have some fun with something like that. You know, um, now with the um, the the colors that you that you have one well it doesn't regardless of the colors we were i was talking about um the the tones that you get these can be you can thin them down and lighten them out you don't have to go with the straight the straight dye i think the one thing that how how do you thin them down yeah you could take any of the bottles and any color and just put a little bit into another disposable container as long as it has a, a tight capped lid because if you you don't you know tightly cap it, it you could come back and it'd be all disappeared because of the alcohol. <laughs> but um, just put a little bit in a, another container and then add more 70% isopropyl alcohol and you'll get a lighter shade. You oh, wow. Many- yeah, you can get many different colors out of the one. I think the one thing that's also neat about all of your stains, and it's something that um, uh, you 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 would recognize if you were at the show and you saw that big board that you have of all of your colors, is yeah. um, when you see the colors on your website, there's not necessarily just that color that you're going to get with that stain uh, or that yeah. pigment because uh, I know like when I was working with the ones that I have here on a, a kit or two that I have the like the for instance the cottage white or the pale green depending on the number of layers you do with it or the number of coats you do with it too it also varies the intensity of the color so if you don't yeah. want if like for instance you don't want barn red to be and that might be a hard example to use because that's pretty strong but if you don't want like the the light gray to be as dark or as light as it is on the first or second coat you can just add more um it's it's very flexible as far as how what color you get out of it absolutely for sure yeah yeah you could just add coats to make it darker and and if you want lighter just as i said yeah i think the reds might be the only i might that might have been a terrible example to use because i did use the um the barn red that we have and Mm -hmm. right off the first coat it was pretty red and i think that's yeah. just general anything you work with in red whether it be a paint or anything uh it's just a harsh it's a red it's a deep color so um all yeah, of the other the color, color all of the other colors though um, you can layer we actually uh, uh put out and and it, uh, we have a sample of it on our sample board is what we call barn red and what we've done is use gray our light gray first and then dry brush the red on it mm-hmm. and then that produces the actual 
fine boy to fat. Is that is that what you see on um when you go down to the pictures of the kits on the fifty foot Queen Post truss? It's um yeah. It looks like it's gray and red washed. Uh, yep, that's right. So that's I the technique. Yeah, I, I put the light gray on first as my base coat, and then when I had the bridge all put together, I just looked at the side of it and I thought, okay, I'm going to dry brush some red on there. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, that's what I did with that. You could use any color, of course. That's gorgeous. So you could. When, when we're at a, 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 the clinics, we always say, uh, at least I always say, it depends on what mo- uh, mood Maureen is in, what color textures are going to come out. <laughs> like, uh, if she's in a, a red mood, then it gets more red. If it's in a gray mood, it gets more grays. <laughs> Every time we do it. Which different. one's the one you have to hide and go somewhere else? Red. <laughs> Which one's the one when you had to run? Which is the color that you had to run for safety? Um, well, the, the big one was red. Red. I, I lifted our container up, and the container was open, and five bottles went flying on the on a concrete floor. This was actually at the show in Berea, Ohio, and and the the five bottles splattered all over the place. And, oh. Was the exact shape of a body, two legs, two arms, and a head, and a body. And the first thing out of my mouth was, "Call CSI." <laughs> all that needs is a chalk. All that needs is a chalk outline. Yeah, exactly. Well, it didn't need the chalk. Well, <laughs> the mess had to be cleaned up. That, that's one of the things about our bottles. Our bottles are a soft plastic, so they will not. Uh, well, I won't say never, but will not break. It's the cap that likes to break because it's rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, falls on the floor, cap first. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say uh, they are packaged so nicely. They're really, they're, I love the little bottles. They look like little medicine bottles almost. Yeah. And they right. have... They have that brown shade bottle to them. They they they're not so big and intrusive that they 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 take they don't hog up a ton of shelf space. No, they fit on the shelf uh, nice. Oh yeah, and they're they're nice on the workbench. They're you're not constantly. Um, I I take a um, I have a roll of tape that it's like a duct tape or whatever, and I set it on inside the roll of tape. I stack two rolls, uh, wide tape. And then I don't ever have to worry about the bottle tipping over. They're, it's the perfect size for it, and and um, and that's. Uh, but it's I I've worked right from the bottle. I mean, it's it's you know obviously maybe that's what a lot of people do. This isn't. Uh, you can do this. Obviously, we talked about you know cleaning the brushes, but this isn't like you you're putting it on a piece of cloth like a, like a stain and rubbing it in. This no. is a paintbrush, and it's yeah. it may that's one of the things that makes it. it there's, there's a let me explain to you guys. I think maybe it's a compliment. I hope that, that you'll take it as such. And I think that people need to understand this is when I work with this, and I'm using a, a piece of wood that has you know all all wood has its grain. It's like magic, and I start to brush it on, and you can see the grains of wood and mm-hmm. the lines in, and it, it it draws them out. With, so what and, you're and seeing... Each, and with each application, when you do more than one coat, yeah. it gets even more exciting. Especially right. for... Especially for... I will say, 
um, the lighter tones, it takes a few coats to really bring out that like quote unquote magic my dad was talking about. But the more and more you work with this, I think the more fun it is because you see how it just makes things pop. Right. Yeah. I've never seen a stain do it like that from a brush. Another aspect of the weathering mix is that it actually works on plastic, hydrocal, foams. Uh, we, we use it for stonework all the time. Um, like, we're not plastic people, okay, but uh, a lot of our dealers have come back and said, oh, this works great on plastic. So we've, we've experimented a little bit. But one of the big things about plastic is that all those plastic kits have got the releasing agent on the outside. And to do a proper job, you should be cleaning that uh, releasing agent off well the the alcohol base actually dissolves that off and puts the color on all in one shot so instead of spending hours of prep time on the plastic it's done Hmm. oh my one step procedure exactly well uh, yeah or uh and pastels yeah. Well. yeah um as another product is pan pastels we have a, a lot of our dealers that uh work in conjunction with the pan pastel two ways doing ours is the base coat and the pan pastel is your highlight coating or the other way around use the pan pastel as your base coat and our stuff as your highlight colors yeah oh yeah and i'm sure it works with other uh uh products out there too but uh we're not into all those (laughs) well well, one of the cool things i've seen it works with since you were mentioning the different applications to different types of materials you can put it on it's very common in this hobby uh with fine scale modeling uh and laser cut kits is laser um laser cut windows and doors and they're done on uh like an illustration board or what it's a very thin like car almost like cardboard but it's not it's porous a little bit and i've had extreme i've been using the hunter stains a lot on windows and laser cut windows and doors and garage doors and really really does well with the laser etchings Mm -hmm. oh it's 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 superb That's good to hear. So one of the things about using the alcohol base, um, if you use a water base, uh, water does not leave the wood for a good 24 hours later, and that gives you an awful lot of warp time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the alcohol is dry in, in you know, five to ten minutes, yeah. and, and, and you're, uh, it doesn't have time to start to warp. Now, mm-hmm. the laser cuts, because the wood is so thin, uh, we always suggest that you, you really reinforce the wall uh, or whatever you're doing so that it, it doesn't have a chance to work. Right. Right. Absolutely. You want to do the bracing. We've talked about that many times recently, too. Right. Um, well, and, and, but, and, well, and the one thing about it is the, the fact that it dries so fast is you're not waiting for hours and hours to get back to work on whatever you're working on you can jump right back into it and fit, you know you can stain everything do a coat go work on something else and then come back and work on whatever you're working on and and do another coat right away or start do working start assembly right away it's not like you need you don't need to wait half a day to, for it to dry oh no yeah i yeah. know like i said i was working a lot of the laser cut doors and windows are done on illustration board and uh, which is like it, it doesn't warp at all it, i mean there's no warping 
no matter how many layers or coatings you you put on of the of the uh, the hunterline stains and, mm-hmm. and dyes, it just it doesn't warp. I mean, which is great. Yeah. I just I just thought of another use that uh, uh, we never even thought of, uh, and it's on our website. We have a woman who does uh, oil on canvas, and she was doing a, a landscape scene with a lot of sky, so she ended up using our sky blue to do her base coat for the sky. Huh. Uh, uh, the problem is, is there was a lot of area, and it was a lot cheaper to use our stuff as the sky than it was to use the oil paints as the sky. <laughs> hey, you're That's touching... Web- <laughs> is that in your photo gallery? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me go over there real quick and check that out. Now, now one of the other cool things about, about oh, it... Oh, wow. That I want you guys to talk about... <laughs> is that the, uh, is that the uh, sunset painting? Yeah, yeah, that's our sky blue in the yeah. background there. Hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I got to get there. Oh, wow. Oh, my. <laughs> hey, you know, you're reaching into other hobbies. That's great. <laughs> that's, a, that's that's pretty impressive. Now, yeah, well, we have people who use it on fabric, too, like tie-dye stuff and and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just staining I don't know, like, I thought they... Furniture, yeah, furniture. Uh, <laughs> was the, um, now, I'm gonna, I'm going to, uh, digress here. It looks like you have a, I don't know, this is some kind of track, mo- track? It's some kind of piece of machinery on track drive, um, that someone did. Is that from, uh, is that a wargaming oh, yeah. thing, or... Bulldozer? It's like a bulldozer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well... Um, he made that and put all our stains on it, and then um, he put actual real dirt on all the tracks, mm-hmm. and then stained on top of the dirt. Was that a, was that a different was that model railroading or was that a war gaming thing or That's a different like a Mad Max thing? Yeah, I don't I have no idea that was hey. one of our customers. <laughs> was do you know if it looks like it was a resin thing? Was it yeah. pl- it was plastic? No. Now, one of the I things don't... on the bottles is cool, and you mentioned how she was able to do it cheaper uh, by using your product than oil oil stain oil paints. Um, is is not only these they're not they're not expensive. You're talking ten bucks for one of these, but I will tell you, I've used a lot of your stains over the last year now or year and a half, and um, I, I we we build a lot of models for our show. And um, you know, for for our for our displays on you know Instagram and Facebook, um, and then the, some of the clinics and things we've been doing lately, we've we've gone through a, a lot. I've used a lot of the stain stuff. I literally I don't have a single bottle with all the buildings that I've done. I don't have a single bottle that's below three quarters of a bottle. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I have one. Yeah. I have one that's about a third down, but the rest of them that's are it, all a third down. And, and you know why? You're, you guys are gonna laugh at this. <sighs> so it stretches out. I mean, this stuff lasts you're, a long time. You're gonna, you're gonna like why mine, mine's a third of the way down. This is a good okay. story. So well, that's uh, good. I, um, <laughs> you told me to shake it a lot. You know. You're like, okay, when you have the, especially the pigments, you're like, it, it settles. You just need to shake it plenty every time you're working on it, right? Well, dummy me, I was, 
you know, knee deep in 6,000 things with a couple projects. And uh, it's, it's the kit bash that I'm working on. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see the, the kit bash I'm doing with the Casey's Workshop kits. And uh, I was using the pale green. Um, and in my head, right after we talked, right after I met you and talked to you at Timonium, I'm like, okay, I got to shake this stuff a lot because it settles. You, you know, you're worried about the green t- coloring settling in the pigment. Well, I got like two or three coats in. I think I did three coats overall because I wanted it to be a deeper green. And uh, uh, I picked it up and I didn't realize that I didn't have the cap on it. And I went to shake it with my finger on top for some reason. And luckily I had my finger on top, but (laughs) it created like when you hold your finger on the edge of end of a hose, it it like just, it just shot all over me, all over the bench. And luckily, luckily, like I said, it wasn't a lot. It didn't really even, it, it, it's not even a third. It's, it's not even, it might be, it might be a less than a quarter that went out, but it just, it just sprayed all over the place. I got, I was covered in pigment. So, uh, so I have like three quarters of a bottle now because I shot half of it on my shirt that night. But, uh, <laughs> Note to self, I got to put the lid back so, on so, before I shake it. So what makes it last so long? I mean, we can use it over and over and over again, and we still have a lot of stain left. You, well, yeah. If you remember all the, the flocos and polyacs and testers and all those, they were always two-ounce bottles. And yes. the reason they started with two-ounce bottles is they were allowed on airplanes. And then after 9-11, that got all tossed out the window. So why have it two ounces? Why don't you have it something healthy that's going to last a long time? I know it's repeat business, but we still get the the repeat business on the eight ounce bottles. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I mean definitely. I mean, and because I can make them last so long, it, to me it's almost like a collection thing at this point. I love having to be able to have the wide variety at, at a at a a reasonable cost for such a great high quality product i i can collect these and then when i'm working on a, a, a any model whether it's at the beginning of the model when i'm making a decision on whether or not i'm going to go with what color scheme or if i'm in the middle of the model and i go wow you know what that'll look really cool if i put some hundred line stain on these wood planks you know and on a porch or something like that and, and so now i can go to my shelf and go oh wow here, here you go. There's like 10, 15 different bottles I can choose from to make it look like that. And I don't ever have to worry about using this stuff up because it's in an eight ounce bottle and I'll have it for future stuff. It, it, it's, it's a great product. As long as you put the cap on tight. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before you shake it. The cap on tight. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so, you know, this is absolutely awesome. I wanted to touch on, um, more go ahead. Your collection. Oh, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Maureen. Oh, I was, I was saying you only need 30 more bottles to complete your collection. Yeah. <laughs> Online and, and, and buy them all. There you go. <laughs> um, we'll get there someday. Uh, oh, so, you have videos as well. Here. Yeah, I wanted to touch on those actually real quick. I have a couple okay. things I wanted to knock out before um, we wrap this one up. But um, so you, you – where were they going? Oh, you also sell – the roof shakes. Is those something that you guys cut or make on your own? Okay, the, the roof shakes were, um, uh, one of the things we're, at, we're asked all the time is uh, all our stuff is laser cut. No, it's not. All okay. our stuff is made 
Ripwood. It's board on board construction. And we got, I, I searched all over the world trying to find a shake that I really liked, especially one that was back in the early 1800s. And, and nobody could, could come up with it. So I thought, okay, we got to do it ourselves because on that covered bridge, that's like pre-1840, I want good shakes. So um, we actually went to uh, uh, Imagine That Laser Art, which is uh, located about 45 minutes from our place. Uh, they're at the Fine Scale Expo, too. Mm-hmm. And we talked to them about it. Let's do this. Uh, so uh, actually, they're, they're, uh, they look big and bulky, but they're actually to scale. Uh, back then when they were made, I went through the process of how do you make a shake? And, you know, it was the old wedge, and the big sledgehammer comes down and, and bangs it. And whatever it was, that's went up on the roof. And that's why we went with uh, 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 the laser end of it. Uh, our laser sheets, there was no scrap involved. Uh, every piece of it is, is used. Uh, they come in a, a, a four-inch wide uh, by 12-inch wide uh, sheeting, mm-hmm. and they have a big tail on them because that's the look that we wanted was to have that overlap of each course going up the roof line, uh, and and we accomplished that. Um, and and the problem there is to glue them on. So what we do is we produce a a, a, a sheet that goes underneath it, a sheathing. And then everything gets glued to that. Now, this is the only item that we have that you actually don't stain first. Because if you stain them all and they're so thin that they're going to warp all over the place. So what we do is put heating on and then put them all on in their natural color, then do the stain. It's the only way we suggest doing that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I was uh, I was just curious because I saw them down there at the uh, the bottom of the list here. Um, I saw them at the show. I believe he had them available. Yeah, you yeah. have them available there when you're at the shows. We have them available at the shows and and on our website. I might add too that um, yes, we are Canadian, but we have a, a U.S. warehouse in Maryland. So all our U.S. customers we ship out from Maryland, so that there's no border issues. Um, so the shipping uh, times are a little quicker too. But. Uh, if we ship it from here, it's going to take 10 days, and it has to go through customs and all that stuff. Well, about 10 years ago, we decided that's a load of crap. So we uh, <laughs> had a we just ship it all out from there. Nice. Okay. That's cool. brilliant, we actually. Than we do. <laughs> now, Brett, we have some... Uh, uh, well, we have some patron from... questions, but I wanted to hit yeah. one more thing real quick. Um, and this is not really a question. It's just something I wanted to touch on. Um, and you just started to hit on it before I asked this question. But uh, also available on your website on hunterline.com, you have YouTube videos. You have a, a bunch of YouTube videos on uh, on how to work with your stains and everything um, and, and your kits, right? Um, looks like you have... You have you have YouTube videos on your kits by by other people. I'm sorry, um, and you also have us down there, so you can check us check them all out there. And you also have weathering instructions and kit building techniques, which are crucial if people haven't used your stuff before. Yep. So if now, if you we don't are planning on a YouTube little segments like uh, you know as simple as uh, a thirty second segment on how to distress wood uh, and little things like that. Oh yeah. Um, 
have to do those. They would be, I promise you, uh, the people that love your stuff would love those because people can't get enough of visuals on the, in this hobby. They love visuals and... Um, uh, not yep. only do you provide techniques and, and instructions on your website, but that kind of stuff would just be amazing. So we're excited to see if you guys do that. Um, and Oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it. My, my I wanted ex- to ask what the five new colors were. Oh. My, my best excuse about all that is that we're only two people. We have no employees. I, uh, we do everything ourselves. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, that's how we are. Uh, my dad and I just run this on our own and we try to create as much content. We're a content based thing, so we don't have a product. We just create how to content and information based stuff, but, uh, it's just us too. So when you guys are clamoring for content, uh, we feel you. So I, I get, we get where you're coming from with that. Time, time's a thing. And I got two little rugrats running around the house, and it's tough <laughs> enough to it's tough enough to carve out two hours a week to do the podcast. Uh, yeah. So. Um, um, my, so the what are the five what are the five new colors for the exclusive? Yes. We, uh, yeah. So being St. Patty's Day is coming up, and the Irish background I have. <laughs> no, oh, right, okay. Too. We're Irish as well. Oh, there you go. Uh, I thought I'd come up with some different greens. People have been asking for different greens, so I've got four different color greens. Um, what have I got? I've got um, an emerald green, moss green, fern green. Uh, what's the other one? Olive. 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 Oh, olive yeah. nice. And then a burnt orange as well. And a so burnt those, orange. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, sweet. Those are the five new colors. All right. So it's almost like the burnt orange would be sort of like um, like a stain that you might get see from rusting or something. Yeah, you could. Yeah, like we have a rust, yeah. and it, it's very close to the rust, but it, it's, it's not really. It's close. not. It's yeah. Okay. It's a different. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to help him along a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All green to me. <laughs> Well, green is such a a, a commonly used uh, color in model railroading for mm-hmm. for multitude of things, uh, barn, well, definitely, you know, farms, definitely. and you know for all kinds of structures and things. Um, so yeah. that's brilliant. That's a great idea. Yeah. So there's lots of different um, variations. So if you ever think of a color that you'd like to see, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are those up on? Are those are those going to be up on the website soon or? Well, probably within the next couple of weeks. I just, I mean, I just finalized it today, so I have to get my color swatches all done. Well, and just so we can yeah. around St. Patrick's Day, since they're St. Patrick's yeah. Day themed. <laughs> Perfect. So, oh, and and you'll be? Are you going to the Timonium show again in April? Uh, no, you're uh, not. We used to do the Timonium show all four uh, for the year, and I know the June one's not uh, there anymore. But um, this last. Uh, in February, we did our fortieth show in Timonium. Wow! <laughs> that, it was, wow. We only get to the to the February one, and sometimes the October one. Right. It's, it's a matter of schedules. Like when we're on the West Coast, we are not going to come all the way back to Timonium. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense completely. Our uh, next one won't be until uh, the, national, the national. The yeah. um, national. Okay. Anima race. 
Yeah. See, this is one of the, the fun things we have. The, the uh, Anna Marie National Show is in July and the Nash, in, in Salt Lake City, and the National Narrow Gauge is in Sacramento at the beginning of September. Geez, we have six weeks in between or seven weeks in between that, uh, hmm. You can see a lot of stuff. Or what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, that's great. You can get to travel and see all kinds of things together. Yeah. We like oceans. We like mountains. We we <laughs> like uh, national parks. We like uh, train excursions. We like uh, museums. <laughs> well, if you guys ever visit, uh, if you're ever visiting Gettysburg area, let us know. That's a that's like a hop skip away from us. So. Uh, and we're civil well, war. We're civil war freaks. We know our history on that. We can. We'll meet you there and give you a tour. <laughs> yeah. We've actually stayed at the KOA there at Gettysburg. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that well over, if you if you're ever back in that area, give us a shout. And and okay. over January and February we were at Jonestown, just outside Harrisburg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well that's even closer. <laughs> um so real quick, this is something we do with our before we wrap up, this is something we do with our patrons every week, and they offer us some questions for you guys. So we have a we only have a couple this week. Um we did have a few shout-outs. Uh, Ken Anderson said he met you at Springfield, and he attended your clinics, and he lo- he loved it. He had a great time with your cl- your clinics. Um, uh, so great. he also um, yeah. says he liked your barn red, and um, he mailed that along with other goodies to his stuff. So he gave you guys a nice shout-out. He loved your stuff. Uh, but Jake yeah. Jake Johnson was the was the gold mine of questions this week. So if you don't mind, we're going to run down a couple of his questions. And, and, and Jake is a modeler who has for Disney. worked for Disney yeah. and some other uh, film film model companies that do film making like Disney does. Yeah, he's doing sets and things like that. He's worked for Disney for a long time. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. So so Jake was asking. Um, what colors do you recommend for di- for different treated and creosote lumbers? If if you could even answer, if you know what you can answer that off the top of your head. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, one of the things was always uh, ties, and um, Maureen and I walked a lot of rail lines trying to find out what the colored ties were, and they're every color under the sun. Okay, they have a common color. Like uh, we use our tie brown, which is a very creosote. <laughs> brown black okay. and, but we don't do that exclusively what we do lately is we take three different colors like a light gray uh, maybe a driftwood and our tie brown we do a third of the ties uh, and each of the colors and then randomly put them across then okay each tie is very distinctly colored so then when we uh, at the end we use our, our crystal black or tie brown to put all the oily, greasy, crappy stuff along the ties. And that coheres all those colors together. Uh, so each tie is individual, but it's all cohered into one color. Mm-hmm. Oh. So if I could just add that probably um, we have the creosote black that we call creosote black, but it's not really that really dark creosote black. Um, we only left the name because that's the first first color of stain that we came out with, and we called it creosote black, and I we hate to change the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> but we use creosote <laughs> black for wash on, on just about everything. Okay. Yeah. But the tie brown is really the closest thing that we have to a... And that's a, a really dark, dark, rich brown. 
you definitely use the tie brown for that. You can always lighten that color down too and, you know, make some really lighter colors and vary your ties that way. Mm-hmm. And then what I really do afterwards when I get them laid down is I take that creosote black wash that we have and I just coat everything on the ties. Strategically just, is the word. But, but <laughs> I really do take that whole creosote black and I put it all over every tie and then I'll go back and I'll add more layers of that creosote black where the dirt and the grime and the grease would be. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah totally, totally. Um, oh, but that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to see that now. But uh, um, yeah. he's also – he he has a couple of real good ones, so I want to hit all his tonight, his right now. <laughs> um, and just he's he's such a accomplished modeler, so he's kind of asking some deeper questions. He's saying um, to please cover the colors of bridge timbers and how age changes the color or shade and how you could make that through a stain. So uh, basically how you could show age through a stain, um, kind of like how you just talked about, but um, with different – Obviously, a different type. One of the processes that we like to do is actually do uh, the light gray background mm-hmm. and then dry brush your finished color on top. And you can do that to any intensity. You can do it like, like the, barn, uh, the barn red over top of the gray. You can do that until it's very intense red or just uh, sp- uh, sporadically red. Uh, wherever you want and and that's probably the best aging uh, look that you can get is just the dry brush mm-hmm. yeah the and I think with the timbers for the bridges and specifically thinking of that um, the driftwood works nicely as well it's it's a pretty light color so that would give you that that old weathered look as well mm-hmm. you know I either choose I either choose the light gray or the driftwood and um, use that as my base coat and as Rick said just you know, go back afterwards and maybe take, if you're using driftwood, I'd probably use um, the next uh, more intense color would be the Cordovan Brown. Um, take that and just dry brush that in the areas where the sun wouldn't be bleaching it out. Oh, you know, just, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it looks really nice. And if you use the light gray, if you decide that you'd rather have the light gray as the really weathered part, then I would probably take the creosote black and just dry brush that in the areas where the sun wouldn't be bleaching it out. Very cool. Yeah. So, and that's another aspect. Is it is the uh, a factor you had to put in with with weathering anything? And I didn't really thought much about you know how much the sun would yeah. play into yeah. showing. I'm a I'm a I'm like super into tones and detail like that. But uh, that's that's another aspect that, you know, many people never think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing our creosote black is good for is shadows. Um, like on the covered bridge, you have the, the, the eave hanging over the wall while you can actually put the creosote black along the top and it creates a more intense shadow. So uh, you can get a, a like a direction of where the sunlight is actually coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do that everywhere. And where you might have water standing, you know, where the timbers go into the water or just, you know, into the damp. Oh, yeah. Ground, you know, just just uh, make it darker there. Like one of, one of the things Maureen uh, uh, took on one time, we were at a show and uh, the fellow across the aisle from us had a wharf scene. And 
he says, what can I use for the colors? So um, it was uh, salt water, so uh, uh, tidal water, so it was various uh, degrees of color up until it became more of a natural color as opposed to the, the, the blacky browny stuff that was down in the carbuncles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. On. But she did a phenomenal job. And one of the things is because we have all the colors that are in front of us at our disposal, but th- that's not necessarily true because you can dilute them all to get the lighter colors too. There's so many variations that you can use uh, with, with the product. Oh yeah, it's like what I was talking about earlier, where oh, just so because it's, just because it's the color you see on the swatch that you guys provide doesn't mean it's the color that it needs to be. It's it's yeah. so wide. It's such a the, wide range. The color on the swatch is one coat. Out of the bottle, straight yeah. out of the bottle. That's it. Exactly. Right. So, all right. Well, which let's... is amazing in and of its own, but yeah, it, totally. So, yep. Jake has uh, he's got a ton, and we're not. I don't think we'll get to all of them tonight, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna pick two more of his best ones. Um, so, he's asking what. Um, I, I'm so sorry. He's saying the do's and what are the what are some do's and don'ts in bridge selection? And I'm guessing he's asking if you if you're gonna put one um, on a layout. What are kind of the best applications and and ones you might need to steer clear of for different types of bridges you have? Um, yeah, there's actually a publication that came out uh, a couple of years ago with uh, Model Railroad. In fact, about 20, 30 years ago, that had all the do's and don'ts of of uh, putting a, a bridge together. Like like a good example is you don't have a bridge that goes from one peak to the next peak of a mountain. Mm-hmm. That is just a oh no. <laughs> uh, but one of the big things that I use John Allen as a good example. Uh, don't have a bridge in front of another bridge when they interfere with each other. Uh, and John Allen had a, a scene where he had seven bridges in a row, and everyone did not conflict with the other bridge, um, like putting a, a deck bridge in front of a through bridge, uh, or, or putting the, the through bridge in front of the deck bridge. If they conflict with each other, uh, a good example I, I uh, saw was a, a, a club layout, and they had three main lines going around the module, and he had a great stone bridge on the first line, a great stone bridge on the second one, and a, and a really neat trestle on the third one. Well, nobody could see the third one, and it was the best bridge that he had. <laughs> and it was, the deepest, the, it was the deepest into the layout. Right. So that should have been the other way around. Uh, or, there's, uh, uh, you got to take in consideration the era of what it is, mm-hmm. uh, how big it is, uh, how how much weight it's going to carry. I know that's getting into specifics, but... No, but it's all uh, important if you're going to be... Just go for it. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I will, I will say... And the he, one... is John, he is John Allen Trestles. Oh, my word. Brett, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with ever seeing a John Allen Trestle, but they like, they like almost like floor-to-ceiling. Oh, my. Oh, that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to Google it. It might be before I was my time, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll look it up. All right. He's a legend. Um, let's pick one of Jake's last of many. This is a good one. He's asking, what tools, if any, do you recommend for accurate trimming and cutting of your timber that comes with your kits? Okay, good question. Um we actually only use razor saws. Uh, 
uh, I don't want to cut up a chopper, but the chopper actually destroys the the fibers of the wood at the end. It always crushes them, mm-hmm. and forever after, uh, you can see that crush, especially when it's stained. The stain will emphasize it. So we always use the razor saw to get a good, clean cut all the way through. Um, now, sometimes you want that cut to be uh, uh, checked, uh, so that that's a different process again to 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 uh, crack the ends of it and so on. But um, we always use the razor saw, and that's what we use for distressing. Um, uh, one of the neat little tools that Maureen uses all the time is is the uh, tweezers. I'll let her talk to you about that. Tweezers? What? I don't know what I'm. The, the the neat tweezers that you use for MBWs and and all that. Oh, okay. But I think this gentleman was just asking about cutting the wood. Was he not? Yeah. No, he was just asking um, in general what tools do you recommend for working with you with these kits? Okay, so as Rick said, we use the fine tooth razor saw. I use forty two teeth to an inch. That's what I always use. And I have a pair of tweezers that he's talking about. They're very 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 sharp and very very pointy and they have a uh, the point is offset yeah the point is offset uh. and they are excellent for um, putting the uh, NBW castings into onto your bridges do you know what uh, those are called by a chance <laughs> um, I think they're just angled uh, uh, tweezers just an angled tweezers with a very very sharp okay uh, fine tip yeah, it, it, it's uh, a godsend, really. It saves you uh, so much time and, and um, prevents you from using all those swear words. <laughs> 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 when those little NBWs start um, shooting off the table. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you, there's not, uh, I don't think there's a pair of tweezers I haven't met that I didn't like. I have a multitude of different types yeah. of tweezers oh yeah 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 these are these are excellent and you know they're pro and just a good file just a yep you know a good flat file mm-hmm. and that that's probably mainly the tools i use in a, yeah. in a cheap dollar store brush to put the stain on <laughs> <laughs> very that, cool that just made me think of something else is the glue we do not use ca glue uh, we only use um, uh, wood glues, carpenter oh, glues. I love you guys. Wood. Almost <laughs> <laughs> the pages, tight bond. Uh, there's all sorts of ones out there that we use. Um, the big thing we look for there is that it uh, sets up fast or right. gets tacky fast. Uh, we've had clinics before where their kids, uh, the guys have used their kids' uh, kindergarten glue, and like four hours later, it still hasn't set up. You know? Oh, yeah. You uh, cannot use school glue on anything. You... So we always recommend, like right now, currently, we're using the tight bond. Yeah, I like uh, that the best. Oh, my gosh. You guys are just... Oh, you're, Brett, you're, Brett has Titebond <laughs> in a gallon. I buy it by the I buy Titebond by the gallon, and it's literally the only glue I use on on anything. That's my favorite too. Oh <laughs> my! Who's out there? I wouldn't. They're only good for the garbage. Uh, they give you all sorts of reports on them, and now <laughs> you you guys are just. I'm just falling in love. I'm falling more and more in love with Hunterline stuff, and the more and more I hear it, I, I, I glue literally everything you see that I work on with tight bond wood glue. I love this yeah. stuff. Yeah, we use it on plastic windows, <laughs> everything. I use it. It's my only glue. It's the only one I'll I will ever use because it's just so easy to work with and it bonds pretty quickly. Yeah. So yeah, it is great. Yeah. Um, 
one of the things, like kind of summing all this up, one of the things about us doing the show, that's our advertising, okay? We don't advertise a lot in the books or anything mm-hmm. like that. Advertising is at the shows where, um, you know, anybody can uh, talk to us uh, and get an, an intelligent, or basically an intelligent answer because you're dealing right with the horse's mouth. You're not dealing through a dealer that uh, might know a little bit about this or a little bit about that. But, right. But, uh, and, and we're there to help. We have some of our customers who email us, you know, once a week when they're on the next sub-assembly, and we help all the time. That's what we're here for. We're, we're not here just to sell the product. We're here to get you to the finished item. You right. want people to succeed using your products. Right. Exactly. And it is available. You do have it available in hobby shops as well. Um, oh, yeah. I, I know that we, we uh, frequent mainline hobbies in oh, yeah. yep. uh, in Pennsylvania. Up. And um, and he always has a display of it there and I can pick it up there if I don't if I don't get a chance to see it a show. So how many how many hobby shops do you think you're in? Um probably across the nation, probably, I don't know, maybe three dozen or four dozen. Yeah. See, we are a very specialized pro- uh, product, and not every hobby store uh, mm-hmm. do Deals it. with fine scale, sure. Exactly. So um, the, the one that has a lot of uh, um, entry level, uh, they won't have our stuff. Right. Uh, well, and it probably, an t- it wouldn't move there either. No, yeah. no. No. But yeah, that's awesome. I mean, so there are places you can pick it up uh, with your hobby shops that are, you know, that are more exclusive to having uh, a full, extensive, um, you know, array of of product. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You'll find some of them that you'll be able to find uh, Hunter Line at some of those, and 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 that's awesome. I I obviously just named one of them, and <laughs> and um, so so that's great. I mean, it's it's so great, and it's wonderful to have you on today on the show i've been wanting to have you on the show uh for some time we have, since we have one, your schedule's so busy we have one last fun question this will take mm-hmm. 20 seconds you ready sure yeah all right he uh it's from lynn he's asking us um do you do canadians drink coffee to keep modeling do you guys do you, <laughs> do you guys have a lot of coffee going on the, all the time to keep doing what coffee you're doing it, it's just oh, non it's it, non-stop it's coffee flow are you there? Yeah, we have a coffee. <laughs> all right, all right, cool. Warm drink. There you go. I put Kahlua in it. Oh, all right. Hey, hey, it keeps you warm, right? Especially, exactly right. Especially during times like this. <laughs> so, whereabouts in Ontario uh, generally? Oh, it says we're Cambridge. In Cambridge, Ontario. We're in Cambridge, okay. Ontario, so we're about an hour west of Toronto. All right, okay. so. Are, are you guys Maple Leafs fans? No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Are you Are you Red Wings fans? <laughs> You're what? <laughs> no, our family is big into basketball. So really? Uh, uh, oh. Okay. All right. Cool. We're like we're a hockey family. So. And we're at, at the game last night. <laughs> Ovech, you said who was at the game? Our uh, daughter and uh, grandson. Oh wow! Hey, that's cool though, and yeah. it's uh, 
I just expected uh, you guys would be uh, Maple Leafs fans, but hey, <laughs> it's cool though. It's, it's fun though. Raptors, it's still a cool sport to follow, and uh, we're just we're ra- we're like rabid hockey fans. So yeah, um, I used to work in hockey. <laughs> that, that's another. That's another. Uh, podcast. Uh, we, we can talk a lot about that. Too. We need to. We just need to start a hockey podcast. I think so. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, like I said, it's it is wonderful to have you on, and we're not. Gonna, it's getting late. We don't want to keep yes. you up late here tonight. But um, yeah, it was a, lo- a good long show. We covered. Is there anything you can think of that we missed? I don't think so. That was great. Come and see us. Thank you so much for having us. I feel we would like love to come and see you. I feel like this could be a two continued type of thing too, because there's. Oh, yeah, I definitely. think it would be fun to maybe get into more specifics on um, some of the models you have and a little bit of the history of them. But um, that could be saved totally for another show. If you're um, willing absolutely. to do another one sometime down the road, definitely. That'd be great. That's great. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. We we thank you very much uh, for uh, for being here and being our guest, and uh, we will uh, we will call it the evening. Yes, and thanks, Todd and Brett. It's been a, a slice. Okay, we appreciate it, guys. We thank you much, and um, we wish you the best until we see you guys. We'll see you in another show. So, um, yep. yep, awesome. Have All a great right. evening. Have All right, thanks. Have a good one. Take uh-huh. care. That was an awesome interview with Rick and Maureen. Uh, We appreciate them, and we hope you guys head on over to their site at hunterline.com and check out everything that they have to offer. I think there's something on there, a little bit for everyone, a little bit for everyone of all scales, too. It's not just HO scale. So um, that wraps up this week's episode, guys. We appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed what Rick and Maureen had to talk about. Uh, I know we got some tips out of there, and I love working with their stuff. I know my dad does as well. So, as usual, head us up on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Leave us some comments. Start interacting. Leave us a voicemail, 717-601-2348, for that contest we talked about earlier in the beginning of the episode. And uh, we'll send you a free koozie for the best model railroading tip of the week, an HO Scale Customs koozie. Uh, All right, guys. We're going to call it wraps for the week. Have an awesome weekend. Later. (laughs) 